In a world where good news is hard to find, WAVA and One Heart DC present Good News for the City. We're here to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what His body, the church, is doing to spread this good news in the Washington, D.C. metro area, including Northern Virginia, Maryland, and D.C. As Jesus said in John 17, Father, that they may be one just as we are one. Welcome to Good News for the City. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Good News for the City, the radio broadcast ministry partnership between WAVA Radio and One Heart DC, right here on Life Changing Talk Radio, 105.1 FM, WAVA. My name is Dennis Williams. I'm director of ministry at WAVA Radio, and I want to welcome you to today's broadcast. Folks, earlier this year, a statement on social justice and the gospel was drafted. It was drafted by a group of ministry leaders, among them John MacArthur, pastor of Grace Community Church in California, chancellor of the Master Seminary, and Tom Askell, pastor of Grace Baptist Church and executive director of Founders Ministries. In the months following, over 12,000 have signed this statement. The statement was written in response to concerns about sociological, psychological, and political theories thought to be permeating our culture, as well as making inroads into the church. It was written with a desire that believers and churches be prepared to address issues, excuse me, perceived to be threatening the gospel, misrepresenting scripture, and leading people away from the grace of God in Jesus Christ. These social justice concerns were driven by issues of race and ethnicity, manhood and womanhood, as well as human sexuality. There has been a significant level of scholarly response to the statement, including from our guest for the day, and we would like to explore the underlying issues, the theological and social implications, as well as where the dialogue is headed And what are some practical next steps? So let's talk about it. Man, we like to talk on this radio station and on this Good News for the City, don't we, brother? We do. I want to introduce you to my good buddy, my friend, my co-host of Good News for the City. Hey, man, my pal, Pastor Brian Bales. Thanks, Dennis. I appreciate it. You know, the... The name of this show is Good News for the City. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the core of everything we do. And so having a conversation around something that is so specific around the questions about social justice and the gospel, I'm excited for. So I'm going to skip over the typical banter I usually do with you because I love having that conversation and just get straight to our guests today because there's some very important things we want to cover. Um, I have the privilege of being sitting right next here to the senior pastor of Anacostia River Church in Southeast Washington, D.C. His name is Thabiti Anyabwile. Did I do it right? Very good. I've been practicing in my head. Just (laughs) want you to know that. He is a council member for the Gospel Coalition. He's author of several books, including What is a Healthy Church Member? Finding Faithful Elders and Deacons, Reviving the Black Church, and others. Uh, He and his wife, Christy, have three children, and they uh, live here in the greater Washington metro area. So we've already set up a little bit what we're going to talk about today, Thabiti. So thanks for coming in and being willing to do this and have this conversation around the gospel and while it matters. Now, I remember when I was doing my doctoral dissertation that one of the first things that my professor said as I was writing my dissertation is that, Brian, it's very important at the beginning of your conversation that you define what you mean by your terms. And we've discovered at Good News for the City that people often throw around terms but mean different things. My wife says clean, she means sanitize. I said clean, I mean organize. And we're married and we have different definitions to the same word. This term social gospel is very much a 
a hot button issue, and we've discovered that people are defining in a whole lot of ways. So for the purpose of our conversation today, can you describe for us what is meant by that term, social justice? Well, that's the perfect place to start because people use that, as you said, use that phrase all the time, mm-hmm. and they're all over the map. Yeah. So some people will use the term social justice, and they will use it as a synonym for social gospel. Okay. Um, going back to Walter Rauschenbusch, Washington Gladden, those guys, a kind of deviation from the gospel as we would understand it as Bible-believing Christians. Some folks use social justice, and they just mean something much more garden variety. They just mean doing things right in the world, doing good and right things in the world. And I think that's that's how most people begin to resonate with the term, is they're just thinking, yeah, right, we should be doing justice for our neighbor, justice in our society, Micah 6, uh, and so right? on. Somewhere in scriptures, show no man what is good. Do That's justice. exactly right. Isaiah one seventeen, Matthew twenty three twenty three, just all over the Bible. That mm-hmm. if we are justified people through the gospel, then we will be just people. Um, that's, that's the point of Jesus telling the story about who's your neighbor. Yeah. Uh, man wanted to justify himself. Jesus describes a man beaten on the road, left for dead. Religious people walk by and leave him. Samaritan comes along, finds him. Bandages him up, takes him to the end, pays the bill with a open-ended check, uh, says, I'll come back and check on him later. The question is, who's your neighbor? Well, your neighbor is the one uh, who loves, who binds up, who heals, who does the right thing, who does justice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's it. from where I come from, I'm simply talking about obeying Jesus, obeying the Bible, yeah. doing what's right in society. And that's an important foundation Amen. for the rest of our conversation because we have to now then move to the next statement in light of that definition and, and just ask this question. I think you've already told us how it fits already, but I want to reiterate this again. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. So then how does that idea of social justice connect to it? And you've already alluded to it already, but just Mm -hmm. for people who may not have been listening for that part, the biblical foundations then of connecting that together. Yeah. As best I understand the folks who are opposed to social justice among Christian leaders, part of what they are opposed to is a different kind of gospel supplanting uh, the gospel. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the concern is that all of these calls for justice and the actions that go along with them are replacing the message of what Jesus did on the cross sure. and in the resurrection. Uh, but I would want to say that's a, that's always a legitimate concern. Um, but we ought to be concerned not only for that, we ought to be concerned for how we marry together the message of the gospel with the ethics of the gospel, mm-hmm. right? So the message of the gospel is Christ has died for our sins. The Son of God, sinless, has become a sacrifice for us, and all of our sins have been laid upon his back on the cross. He has suffered the wrath of God in our place. He's buried three days, raised from the grave for our justification three days later, and now God calls all men everywhere to repent of their sins and to believe on him. That's the gospel that has specific propositional content. When people believe that message, we believe they begin a lifelong journey of transformation called sanctification. Mm -hmm. We begin to now live righteously. We have been declared righteous by faith in Jesus, but now we begin to do righteousness Mm -hmm. as we follow Jesus. That's where the conversation of social gospel or social justice, excuse me, belongs in that area of sanctification, not justification. Right. And that's where the, the tension is sometimes when people feel like it moves categorically. 
that social justice is about our regeneration or our redemption when whether as you've just for people who may not be more familiar with the term sanctification maybe another way to think of it is just becoming more like Jesus exactly. Jesus was our example and yeah. so through the power of the Holy Amen. Spirit in our yeah. life that transforms yeah. us through our relationship with God he's constantly and we're all on that journey mm-hmm. you know some of us are a different part on the road than others mm-hmm. but but we're all there and so when we think about this this idea of the statement that came out about social justice can you sort of help us understand or give us an overview of the core issues or the positions that were raised in that and then how they counter with a response to say okay this is what uh you're raising here's how we respond to that idea yeah I, without putting too fine a point on it I, yeah. I think this statement really is an entirely different conversation than what other bible believing gospel preaching evangelicals are attempting to have mm-hmm. The statement is attempting to guard against certain uh, trespasses. Sure. Worldly ideologies, worldly ideas creeping into the church, mm-hmm. um, replacing the Bible, replacing the gospel, uh, leading people astray into things that are contrary to the scripture. Again, I think any faithful pastor, any faithful Christian ought to always have that concern. Yeah, right. Yeah, so I, I don't have any knock against that concern. But it seems to me to be a faulty response to Bible-believing Christians who are saying, oh, by the way, we not only believe the gospel, we are compelled by the gospel. We are compelled by love to love our neighbor, to love our enemy, um, that the requirements of the gospel in terms of how we now live Mm -hmm. um, call us out of ourselves and selfish concern to care for others. The statement itself is, I would say, almost entirely negative. Mm-hmm. So what it doesn't put forth is a constructive, positive picture of how Christians ought to do that. Right. What it does is attempt in, a, in the format of affirmations and denials, things we affirm, things we deny. What it does is, an, is sort of put up an almost defensive position, entirely defensive position against a caricature, against a straw man. The things that are being defended, um, again, are appropriate defenses, but I don't know anybody advocating those things. I don't mm-hmm. know anybody advocating Critical race theory replaced the gospel. Intersectionality replaced the gospel. Cultural Marxism replaced the gospel. Um, and so it, it is, in my estimation, in my, my sense, uh, a sad sort of miscommunication. Mm-hmm. It's not even having the same conversation that I think many godly Christians are attempting to have about in a world racked with pain mm-hmm. and racked with injustice, in a Me Too world, a Church Too world, so on and so forth. How do we not only proclaim Christ, but how do we also live in such a way that the ethics of God's kingdom are being brought to bear on the world in in justice and mercy? And I think it's really important that you've brought this up again, that there are two well-meaning groups of people, and maybe that's delineating it down too simplistically, but just say two well-meaning groups of people who are attempting to reflect Jesus Christ in the way that they live, compelled by the love of Jesus Christ, because no matter which group you fall in, I think we would all agree if we're not compelled by the love of Jesus Christ, we may have to be concerned about whether we really believe (laughs) on Jesus Christ to start, right? This idea of, of moving it forward, that going back to the little simple analogy I use with my wife, Kathy, one person saying clean and they mean this, another person saying clean and they mean something else. And then that tension sort of comes together in that way. You used a term uh, that uh, people who are listening, myself, I, I struggle with this term a little bit, that's brought out specifically in this statement about social justice that was put out that 
the social justice movement is patterned after a cultural Marxism. Now, I, I want to say this. There's a lot of people, myself included, who will hear terms like this. We appreciate the terms, but it's basically the same version of Charlie Brown's teacher talking. Wah, 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 wah. We hear the noise. We just can't translate the language. Translate yes. that quickly, if you would. Well, cultural Marxism is a label that um, folks who, let me for lack of a better label, characterize them as anti-social justice. It's a label that they like to use, a charge that they like to levy against folks who talk about justice, honestly, as a way of vilifying and shutting down conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, They are uh, sort of associating pro-justice Christians uh, with Marxism of the cultural variety, which comes out of the Frankfurt School in Germany in the 1800s. And um, in their view, relies upon dividing the whole world up between oppressor and oppressed groups um, and sort of in an unqualified way, assigning righteousness to the oppressed and wickedness to the oppressor groups mm-hmm. uh, and doing that along the lines of class and race and gender and so on. Um, and so that's how they that's how they sort of um, insert the poison pill sure. in the conversation. So rather than talk about ideas, those labels become red meat for people who frankly, most of whom have never read anything about mm-hmm. cultural Marxism or critical race theory and so on. They just know, ooh, that sounds really bad. I, I shouldn't be for that. I, I grew up in a, in the United States of America, and there's lots of things that I've heard. You know, you mm-hmm. don't want to be this, 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 and this, and that. that's a label that that applies that's to. That's exactly right. right. It would be like right. in, the, in the 50s calling someone a communist. Sure. Uh, it just shuts down conversation. It, it, sure. it feeds on the red scare. Well, exactly. Um, we saw McCarthy do that historically exactly. in that way, where exactly. he was able to not deal with particular issues. And while we're not making the, the comparison between MacArthur and McCarthyism, I just want to be really clear about my <laughs> language there, uh, but we do see that there are certain patterns Patterns that can come out. And mm-hmm. we as believers are called to a greater level of dialogue. Yeah. We're called to a greater level yeah. of digging in and not labeling, but rather to, to get in there. So you've written and spoken about um, complicitly, both individually and corporately, uh, in recognizing, but not just recognizing, repenting um, from current and previous generations cultural sins, systemic sins, and injustice, and and sinful actions that have led to oppression. They have led to injustice, to mistreatment, and indifference. Particularly, you've spoken in regards to racial-based sins. In your opinion, to what extent do the sins of previous generations still influence, mark, label, use whatever term we want, the current generation that we find ourselves in. Yep. Any responsible answer to that question has to come in at least two parts. Mm -hmm. Uh, One part we can say is we've made tremendous progress in the last 50 or 60 years. Uh, Frankly, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, this conversation we're having right now may have been illegal and may have jeopardized my my life, depending upon what I say. And there's a whole Um, generation of of children growing up from differing perspectives now that don't have that. You know, if you can't tell by my picture, you know, good news for the city or uh, by the tone in my voice, I'm Caucasian. Mm. Uh, I I have a privilege of leading a church here at uh, Christian Fellowship Church in Ashburn that's very diverse. I thank them often for allowing their their white pastor to lead them when they're not. Because I jokingly say I'm not just white, I'm Wegman's white, which is a whole different <laughs> sort of uh, sort of Caucasian in that way. But my daughter, who's who's 13, who has a different experience, a suburban experience, when we talk about these things, she looks at me like I come from a different planet. That's not her experience and at praise all. Praise God, and right? Praise God, indeed. But that just 50, God. 60 years ago, you bring that point, and right. we're still trying to deal with, even if we're not 
even if you're not understanding or experiencing yourself at 13, what that's like, there's still some things. No, that's exactly right. So um, when we, people got upset when I talked about repenting for those things that have gone past. I, I made that comment uh, on, on sort of two premises. Number one, there's not been a sin in the history of the world that has simply vanished from the earth uh, with time. Mm-hmm. Right. So we see racism um, resurfacing in white nationalism and white supremacy, not only in the States, but uh, in, in Hungary and the UK and, and just around yes. the world. Right. Yes. These things don't they don't die. They they transform. They they train. They take a different shape. Um, number two, I, I made that call to repentance on, on the premise that Christian people would not be afraid of repenting, mm. that Christian people would understand that even if I'm not culpable, for the actual sins of some person in 1960 or the society in 1960, I can nevertheless be corrupted by those things that have gone on. And the Bible mm-hmm. has both of those categories yeah. of both culpability and corruption. And so sin um, works its way like um, yeast through the whole batch of dough. Um, and so we should suspect as redeemed but fallen people that there may be vestiges of things that we need to examine um, that we need to understand and we need to repent of yeah. because we've been corrupted by them, even if we're not culpable for them. Mm-hmm. Um, Martin Luther, when he wrote the 95 Theses and, and when he launched the Reformation, said, I'm paraphrasing, that God, when he said repent, he meant keep on repenting, mm-hmm. right? That repentance is something that we don't just do one time. And then we're done with that. Sure, Repenting is, is in one sense a lifestyle. We're continually reorienting ourselves to Christ, turning Amen. back to God, uh, discovering imperfections and corruptions in our lives that we want to be rid of. Mm-hmm. So we got to tear down the high places. We got to smash the balls. We got to find functional idols. We got to find those places where we're sinning with a high hand. We've got to find those places where um, sins have been hidden to us. Uh, and we got to ask God to graciously make them known to us that we might turn to him again. Um, and so, yeah, I just think it's, and, and this is the entire structure of Deuteronomy, really. Yeah. Moses speaks to the, that generation of Israel um, in, in, in such a way as to assume that they are culpable or, or corrupted by the sins of the previous generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so this, this is, you know, Jesus um, can say that, hey, the, the blood of all the prophets— who have been killed by Israel, mm-hmm. are, fall square on the heads of all the, the Jewish people that he was speaking to in that moment, yeah, all the doing, way back to Abel. Yeah, I would say they're doing some math about years that have, was farther than our country's even existed. That's exactly right. right. That's exactly right. And he's still calling him in that That's way. That's exactly right. So this should not be a category that makes us go, oh, I didn't do that. I'm innocent. Right. You know, sort of impeccable individual innocence. Mm-hmm. No, this ought to be a category that says, no, we're in solidarity with with. Adam first, mm-hmm. now Christ. We're in solidarity with our churches and as a Christian community. There's a we here, not just a me. And I've got to sort of be expecting that I'm going to be influenced in some way that might call me graciously to repent. So practically, then, if someone's thinking, hey, Thabiti, could you could you just could you frame this up for me? Because I, I need some examples. What would it look like for an individual, maybe some corporate response? Let me give you two examples. Uh, one hypothetical, one actual. Mm-hmm. Um, there's probably a listener here. He's, he's 35 years old. He's buff. He goes to the gym every day, works out, goes into the locker room. And in the locker room, guys are in there talking. And guys are in there saying things they shouldn't be saying, maybe sinfully joking about women or disparaging women. Now, he's got a choice. He can take his shower, put his clothes on, keep his head down and walk out of the locker room Mm -hmm. and say, I never took part in that conversation. Right. But the corruption is still happening. 
right? Men are, are, are passing along sinful and backward attitudes toward women. Men are talking about the kinds of exploits that, mm-hmm. that the Bible abominates, right? He, he could walk away and say, that wasn't me, and yet allow that corruption to continue. Or he can kind of smile and nod and not really give a full-throated laugh, but also signal, yeah, I'm not, I'm not opposing you. Or he can actually speak and confront those guys and say, man, that's not right. You shouldn't speak of women that way. Yeah. Right. So it's not enough for him to say, I'm not a sexist. He actually also has to be anti-sexism. Sure. Right. Th- that That's true of racism. That's true of any injustice. It's not enough for us to say, I didn't do it. We actually have to oppose yes. injustice. We yes. have to oppose unrighteousness. Beautiful example. If you go to my blog, Peer Church, over at the mm-hmm. Gospel Coalition, Reed DePace is the pastor of the church at Chantilly in uh, Montgomery, Alabama. It's also known as Historic First Presbyterian Church. It's a church that was a megachurch before they were megachurches, but it's been in decline since the 70s. He comes there as a relatively new pastor, and their elders are asking the question, why are we in decline? What's going on? Why are we not reaching our community? Well, as they have that conversation, they get into that church's history and discover some really ugly things about the church's racism, about the church's uh, unwillingness to engage a changing community around them. And it leads that congregation to both know that history and to confess it, Mm -hmm. to confess the corruptions that they have walked into, inherited, and even participated in, and then to repent corporately. And the healing that's come from that, mm-hmm. both in that congregation, in that congregation with its community, it's breathtaking. Yeah. It's moving. It's it's what the gospel does when it rewrites our lives, even corporately. Uh, and so if people want to see a, a living example of that, mm-hmm. they can go to the blog and read that, that moving post. So Jesus called in John 17 mm-hmm. that uh, you may be one. That's right. So they know who sent you. That's right. It's still just as important and just as powerful as it is today. In fact, um, one Heart DC, uh, sponsoring organization of Good News for the City. One of their core pillars is this idea of unity, and one of the main goals of the enemy is divide sure. in that way. So, in this last moment or so we have together about this debate, uh, a passionate one about the most important thing ever the good news of the gospel, what do you think needs to happen to move forward in unity uh, and to provide leadership? into our communities instead of providing fodder for our community to say, look at those people who are supposed to be expressing Jesus, but they kind of seem like uh, they're pointing uh, uh, ammunition at each other and hurting each other. Well, from the pulpit to the pew, uh, I think we've got to restore civility. Mm -hmm. I think we've got to restore empathy. I think we've got to learn the biblical language of lamenting together. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we have to suspend our political alliances long enough to make sure we actually have biblical alliances with each other so that we're not partisans in this conversation, already positioning and jockeying for our side, but that we're Christians, we're disciples, humbling ourselves beneath the word of God and beneath Christ so that we might be formed together more in Christ. And then I think we have to sort of press into this conversation. We have to stay at the table. We got to take those blows. Mm-hmm. We, we got to practice forgiveness and uh, repentance and all those things that come with the gospel. Uh, and we have to abound in hope because um, well, we are one in Christ. That's a reality spiritually. Yeah. What we're now doing is working that out practically mm-hmm. and relationally. And we have to believe that God has began a good work in us. He's going to carry it on to completion yes. at the day of Christ Jesus. Yes.
Yeah. You know, this conversation, I, I could sit here and just listen forever and, and be reminded, encouraged about Jesus Christ and the transforming work he's already done in all of our lives and the transforming work he still needs to do as in that process. And so I, I, I severely, uh, sincerely rather love that last part about humility. Uh, there, there's an aspect when we look at Philippians chapter two, when Jesus himself took on human flesh Mm -hmm. the creator took on creation Mm -hmm. humbled himself we're not talking kenosis that's for a whole nother discussion but humbled himself right Mm -hmm. in that way and he is our example and that moving forward this starts with this aspect of humility Uh, just thank you for our conversation today thank you uh for what you're doing i'm excited dennis i was just weren't you surprised about how quiet i was man well, no, because I know that you listen when someone smart's talking. You always talk when I'm talking, but when other body's talking, you, I, I know you're going to listen. I was just, Pastor, I was just um, taken by what you had to say, and I agree with you, by the way. So thank you, thank you, thank you. If folks want to reach out to you in some way, would that be okay? And how can they do that? Absolutely. Um, they can reach me at, at my church, Anacostia River Church. Okay. Um, the name of the church is the address for our website. Great. Um, they could join us at the Just Gospel Conference, which is coming up March 5th to 7th, 2020, uh, where we can have this conversation uh, okay. in, a, in a rich and, and encouraging way. Or they can catch me on social media, uh, at Twitter and whatnot. Cool. Anacostia River Church. Anacostia River Church. Um, Pastor Thabiti, thank you again. God bless you, man. If you you folks, and you you really need to hear this again, I'm going to listen again, by the way. Um, If you want to hear it again, go to goodnewsforthecity.com, goodnewsforthecity.com, or you can go to oneheartdc.org. That's oneheartdc.org. Or you can go to wava.com, put in the keyword good news and look at our podcast page, and you can listen to it again. Or if you really need to get all of this information. I can help you out in person. You can call me at WAVA 703-807-2266. Thank you, my brothers. God bless you both. Thank you for being with us, folks. We'll see you again next week. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way. It's the gospel, the gospel that makes a way. Thank you for joining us and listening to Good News for the City, a gospel partnership between WAVA and One Heart DC. This is a partnership, movement which celebrates and seeks to accelerate the move of the gospel into the Washington, D.C. metro area. It is our prayer that through this radio broadcast ministry of good news for the city, we will see transformed lives and communities and more and more people responding to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want to help bring unity to Bible-believing people and churches in order to multiply our impact in our city, and we would love for you to join us. You can learn more at goodnewsforthecity.com. That's goodnewsforthecity.com. Or you can go to wava.com keyword good news. Or you can call us at 703-807-2266. 703-807-2266. And remember, it's the gospel that makes a way.